Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Banking on Innovation podcast. I'm Jody Bugath. I'm so pleased to welcome today Lindsay Johnson, the president and CEO of the Consumer Bankers Association, which represents the retail banking industry, including the nation's largest bank holding companies, as well as regional and community banks. Lindsay, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Jody. It's so great to have you. You know, Lindsay is uh, groundbreaking in, in so many ways, just, just one of them being that she's the first woman to serve as president and CEO of the CBA and the only woman at the helm of a trade organization representing large U.S.-based banks. So we're very pleased to have you. Oh, thank you very much. So, Lindsay, you started your tenure with the CBA just this past July, I believe. Mm -hmm. And then we met in October, uh, if you recall, at right. the Second Curve CEO event by, uh, by Tom Brown. That's right. And I must say, you were, you were just so gracious at the event and that initial meeting has, uh, has led us to this, to this podcast. So it's great to get to know you in such a uh, compressed time frame, just in the last few months, and um, just really impressed with um, the role that you've taken on, as well as the impact that the CBA has on the industry. Well, likewise, I've appreciated getting to know you. You put out great content. Uh, and really have such great connectivity to so many great industry leaders. So appreciate being on the on this podcast with you and just the chance that we've had to get to know each other. Yeah, awesome. So Lindsay, you've had such a remarkable and eclectic background. It spanned <laughs> banking, legislative, and consulting experiences. So perhaps you can share with the audience, how has this background prepared you for such a high-profile role as president and CEO of the CBA? Well, I've always been at that intersection between policy and banking or financial services. And so, you know, I think that you kind of get the full uh, understanding of, you know, an, an appreciation of one, kind of what banks do. And I've been uh, at a Federal Home Bank and work incredibly close with our, our bank member owners at the Federal Home Bank. I've been in uh, other, you know, private sector companies, uh, financial services companies. And I think that you, you really have a, a full appreciation of how a business operates to serve the needs of their communities, to serve the needs of their consumers, and a full appreciation for how policy directly and indirectly uh, enables or prohibits them from doing that. And then taking that experience and going into Capitol Hill and, you know, really have an appreciation for what are policymakers thinking about? How are they working on creating sustainability, on looking at safety and soundness issues, uh, on enhancing and, and making more efficient the process for these financial institutions to do what they do? And I had the privilege of doing that. Uh, it was one of the best experiences of my career. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's often frustrating and it's often, you know, all the challenges and the personalities and the misunderstandings and everything else that goes into politics and policies. But it's such an important role and responsibilities when you're in that position. And then taking that experience and taking that understanding of what policymakers are facing, what they deal with, and taking it to another trade association where I, I was leading another trade association uh, or at PwC and working on in, you know, in their policy world. And understanding how those two worlds are, are melded together and how to take the most effective advocacy to Capitol Hill to hopefully, you know, effectuate change that you need to see and to create the best, the best uh, regulatory and operating environment for your members. Uh, and, you know, for me at CBA, 
That is our biggest mission is to create that best regulatory and operating environment for our members. We see, we work with them every single day uh, as they go out into their communities and, in, you know, and, and lend directly to consumers and small businesses and really shape uh, the, you know, the, what we see as Main Street America on a daily basis. So it's a privilege for me to do that. Uh, it's a huge responsibility for CBA and something that we are um, incredibly proud to do. You know, just in listening to you, one can just appreciate or surmise the enormity of the role. And it's good to know, by the way, that this, you know, as laymen, as we uh, as we perceive the things that happen on on the hill and stuff, that it's it's good to know that it is complicated and it's not just us perceiving it that way. <laughs> <laughs> but um, for for those in our audience that may not be fully aware of the expansive and prominent role that the CBA plays. Can you just share more about the scope and the charter and mandate? Sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, CBA is the leading voice for Americans, uh, leading banks and retail banks uh, here in D.C. And you've got a lot of different trade associations. You have a number of different banking associations. But CBA is the only banking association that's focused exclusively on consumer retail issues. And so if it touches a consumer... CBA is a leading voice. Uh, our members are primarily $10 billion and above, and so that really helps us to focus both because of the retail focus and also just the asset size of most of our members, helps us be very focused in the issue sets that we, uh, we pursue. Most of the issues or many of the issues are related to CFPB because it's consumer. The CFPB is very focused on institutions of a certain asset size, so that also gives us a very narrow focus. That helps us be incredibly effective at what we do. We can speak with one voice. We know exactly what our mandate is. And so we're, we are um, incredibly effective in our advocacy that way. We also take very, uh, you know, a lot of pride in our mission. And our mission is to help create the next uh, generation of diverse bankers to lead the industry. And we are, you know, really proud of the work that our members are doing in this, in this area. We have an, uh, an education program, both internal at our members, where we take education programming, very advanced, very focused retail banking education to our members. We also actually have a school that happens in the summer, summer at Furman University, where we bring in senior leaders of banks, and they go through an incredibly immersive, intensive program. And I'm happy to say that, you know, this last year, uh, we had the most diverse set of freshmen, uh, our most diverse freshman class we've had, which just demonstrates our members' commitment to really uh, fulfill our mission. So we're really proud of that. We're really proud of um, the advocacy work we do. And we've got a lot more work in front of us. Wow, that's, uh, that's impressive. And I can appreciate your, I mean, I just hear the passion and commitment in your voice. You know, Lindsay, we're we're in, well, we're in a fascinating period, but one could argue also a very challenging time for households in the U.S. We have high inflation, economic uncertainty, weak consumer sentiment. How is the environment that we're in today shaping the agenda of the CBA? Well, we're, you know, look, we are keenly aware of those economic headwinds, of the challenges that are facing consumers. Um, you know, I think that we were really pleasantly surprised coming through the pandemic, how consumer mm -hmm. savings weather, yeah. you know, for the most part. But we've seen a huge drop in consumer savings. Right. We had about $2.3 trillion drop to about $1.2 trillion overall in consumer savings over the last year. And the majority of wealthier Americans are not nearly as impacted as lower income Americans. 
we a recent survey um, you know demonstrates that same statistics that we continue to hear, but about half of all Americans are unable to afford a thousand dollar emergency crisis. And you know you think about that situation and the fact that forty percent of small businesses have said that they may not be able to pay rent. We're we're facing some real challenges going ahead, and so we are thinking about you know ways that we can continue to improve, um, you know, how our banks operate in their com- communities. How can we make it more efficient and effective? You see our banks leading in this space in terms of innovation. You see them uh, really kind of being very innovative in overdraft products and reducing costs to consumers. There's been a huge shift in the overdraft market to make sure that they are uh, reducing and in, in some cases eliminating overdraft fees to the extent that they can, really coming up with innovative ways. But more has to be done. And so we are, you know, as CBA is is looking to what more will consumers need going into this next economic cycle? We have created a, a very short list of um, very tangible things and steps that policymakers can take to help consumers, including small small dollar loans. We think that some reforms can be made to give banks more certainty in this area so they can do more small dollar lending. We also think that there can be a lot of streamlining in the small business lending uh, programs to create greater efficiencies for lenders so that they can do more of these loans. There's a great appetite for our lenders to help in these areas, uh, but we just need a little bit more attention uh, and some steps to be taken from the regulatory uh, you know, world to help them do what they need to do. It's great to hear that you've really got your pulse on or your hand on the pulse, not just of the banks, but also of the household. And the point that you made there that consumers, consumer household had really built up a savings cushion. In fact, I think coming out of the pandemic, savings were about 25% higher per household. But as you pointed out, that started to dissipate. Yeah. Especially on the lower end, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It doesn't take very much to shift a customer that may have just $1,500 in savings with higher inflation and economic uncertainty to, to shift. And I know that that uh, that banks are trying to do what they can to help anticipate some of those issues. As you said, lowering overdraft is one, but also helping customers anticipate when they may have cash flow issues and being able to lend appropriately and better manage their spending are all part of the agenda. And we've we've been watching the savings rate. We've been watching consumer habits for a long time, and we, our our uh, members, you know, connect on a very regular basis through our committees. We've got fourteen committees where we're sharing information about what we're seeing trends in the marketplace. Because at the end of the day, you know, we we've known for a little while that it's very likely, and within the first or second quarter of this year, the lower end of the market is going to run through that savings. And so, again, preparing for what that means for those consumers. Really trying to you know anticipate their needs um, from a regulatory perspective, advocating for the products that might be necessary. All those things are going to be critically important going forward. Yeah, it's a great segue into into my next question, which is: in a recent interview with American Banker, you actually commented on how policymakers and banks can work together to ensure every American has access to the financial tools that they need and demand. What are the steps that you see that can be taken to deliver on this ambition? Well, first, Jody, I mean, I think we've really got to turn this corner and and turn, you know, to a new chapter where policymakers don't see banks as adversaries. 
we are so far beyond that. The banking system yeah. is, you know, so much more sound and safe and uh, focused on, you know, how to anticipate the next the uh, the next generation of individuals' needs or financial needs. But we need to partner with policymakers to make sure that we can offer, you know, these different products to consumers. Um, and when we talk about, you know, especially when we hear from policymakers who may suggest that they want more individuals within the within the banking system, but then say misleading statements about the banking system, that becomes a challenge for consumers to really discern, you know, sort of right. truth from uh, from myth. So our members have the same objectives as many of these policymakers we work with, even if we disagree from time to time. Um, I think one of the most effective ways, and it's been proven over and over again, is public-private partnerships. Uh, And, you know, so we we know that we can make a real difference. PPP was a great example of public-private partnerships going into effect. You know, about half of all PPP loans uh, made through the pandemic were done by CBA members, by the leading banks. Uh, and CBA-led efforts on advocacy led to about 97% of those loans being forgiven. And so that is a, a true testament of what can be done when policymakers and the banking system joins together to make sure that we're meeting the needs of America. Um, we've also called for more recently, kind of anticipating some of the challenges ahead for an all-of-government approach to fraud. We, we hear, hear yeah. and see, you know, from our members how much time and resources they're spending to combat not only fraud and, you know, internally and protecting their right. own systems and, and uh, things of that nature, but also consumer scams. How do we help consumers become more educated about the scams that are in the market? There's been a huge r- rise in these number of scams. And so we're calling on the government to also step in. So whether it's a CFPB to educate consumers, they've got a mission to do that. Whether it's the FCC to really help, you know, on the on the communication side, make sure the spoofing's not occurring. There's a whole number of agencies that can take very meaningful action to help consumers in this area. And we've really uh, focused some of our efforts on that. And we actually are getting some really positive response from it. So we're really hopeful in that area as well. Such an important point to uh, to maintain confidence and be able to get the right information to customers and uh, and put the banking system on a on a on a path where they're out ahead of some of the fraudsters because I know it's such a big issue. So Lindsay, in this environment, customer expectations are rising. Behaviors, customer behaviors have shifted more heavily to digital channels. Customers are are looking for banks to really look out for them and help them better manage their cash flows. So I know you're a big advocate for the industries, but I'll ask you to take a a more objective kind of stance here. Where do you think the industry is meeting these raised customer expectations? And where do you see that there's still work to do or perhaps we're falling short a bit? Well, I think, you know, one, I think that the, the banks are spending billions of dollars to do just that, right? And that really... Those investments, technology, all the the um, capacity that they were building up, you know, proved out very well for them in the pandemic. They were they were prepared. They were able to meet the consumers' needs, but they have been just propelled 
through this technological evolution. And you've got, you know, the leading banks who are really on the cutting edge and they're yeah. thinking way further ahead than many of their, you know, their peers are able to do. So you see some smaller banks who are partnering with fintech, who are really trying to leverage other technologies to anticipate consumers' needs. And as you said, to kind of help them on that entire financial journey um, as a consumer is trying to be financially prepared for what's next. I think as we've moved into this you know, digital age um, and even just so much further than we would have anticipated now that we've come through the pandemic, you know, things that we as an, indus- excuse me, as an industry really have to be focused on are the security and the privacy and all these other areas. You've got a lot of other players in the market in this space, you know, non-banks and fintechs and others, and that's great. Yeah but they're not held to the same standards. And so how do banks partner with those institutions? How do banks themselves, you know, make sure that they are adopting technology um, that is both relevant to the consumer, but also offers those consumer protections? You know, things like biometric authentication is, you know, an area where I think that you're going to see more movement because we, we just have to stay ahead of these this fraud uh, and other scams that are occurring. So, I think that there is an, you know, there's an understanding of those challenges, but we are constantly trying to to make sure that we're staying ahead of it. Yeah. Well, I certainly am biased here, but, you know, this movement towards banks and fintechs collaborating, creating an environment where they can work more effectively together, mm-hmm. all in the interest of creating, let's say, an ecosystem, a stronger ecosystem, whether that's around products or capabilities or solutions all in the benefit of customers, you can see a lot of positive movement in that direction. And I'll say commitment on the part of the fintechs, but more importantly, on the part of the banks as well. Yeah. I mean, look, they they have no choice, right? You've got to evolve or you are being disrupted. And so there is a complete recognition, I think, at every level of the banking industry that they've got to adapt and they have to evolve. And what I think is promising is, is it, you know, there was a little bit of adversarial nature to it. But it's much more complementary now, and I think that there's yeah. a recognition among the fintechs, you know, that it is really important and valuable to have that deposit base. And from the banks, that nimbleness that you can see from the fintechs, um, you know, I think that that is, it's a win-win when, the, when it's the right situation. Yeah. Let me ask you to comment on something that's, you know, closer to, to my heart, which is, you know, the work that we do around helping, having banks better leverage advanced data and analytics to be able to better understand customer needs, anticipate their needs, and then deliver more intelligent and personalized experiences. I'd love to hear your thoughts here in terms of, first of all, why do you believe this is important for the industry to to take big steps forward here? And how do you think it can really help the, uh, the relationship between customers and banks? Well, one, I mean, I think it's absolutely a win-win, right? It's a it's a huge win for the banks themselves. They're more efficient. They're better able to underwrite and analyze consumers. I think for consumers, you really could see, I mean, the potential for this technology to better underwrite, to better bring more individuals into the banking system. It's got incredible promise. And so I think that we really have to understand and harness that technology and promote it in just that way of really being able to reach more consumers more effectively, efficiently, to manage risk, to manage fraud, all those different things. I think you know the, 
the challenge for banks, and it's going to be a challenge going forward. You hear it even from the CFPB, uh, this discussion about, you know, the use of AI and disparate treatment and, you know, the potential for that. So for banks, it's, you know, they really have to be thinking about it from all angles. You know, how do I really use this technology and harness this, yeah. this technology for good while at the same time, really working with the regulatory agencies to make sure that we we can use it and that um, you know we uh, we can appropriately monitor it we understand how it's being used we understand how it's impacting consumers uh, but I think that this is going to be something that you know is a huge um, positive for the industry I think it's great for consumers and you know really changes sort of the landscape going forward of of how banks um, interact and engage with their customers. Yeah, it's a great point. You know, another trend that we're seeing now is the movement towards open banking. And as opposed to other parts of the world where it's being more regulatory driven or legislated, mm -hmm. here it's much more market driven, the movement towards open banking in the US, which is great because it's going to put more control in the hands of customers in terms of how their data is used and what solutions they'd like to have to be able to build on their banking relationship to perhaps have have more comprehensive solutions. So I'm curious as to uh, as to your thoughts here. How how do you think open banking will affect the industry, and and what do you think are some of the the challenges or the opportunities for banks to be well prepared to to um, capitalize on the capability in the interest of their customers. Well, CBA has been, you know, long supported, I think similar to what I'm hearing from you, this notion of consumers having access and control of their own financial information. Yeah. That's essential. And you see a lot of our banks, you know, uh, not only open to this and supportive of this, but moving towards that, as you mentioned. And so I think that there is this huge movement towards that more open banking um, concept that we've been talking about for so long. The one area where I think there's we're going to have some challenges and we, we're going to have to work through them because the devil's going to be in the details is a rulemaking that the CFPB is doing right now to implement Section 1033 of the Dodd-Frank Act, which is really consumers' access to their financial data. Mm -hmm. And we've seen some outlines from the Bureau that really hint at, you know, banks are going to be required to give over financial information to non-banks. It's, it's really only depositories right now. And we want to make sure that that's, that's level because that's completely anti-competitive. That creates some, some real skews in the marketplace. And you've also got to make sure that consumers understand exactly what information is being transmitted, how it's being used by the other provider, what data protections and consumer protections that other provider has. Right. So there's a lot of work to be done just to get this right because, you know, the, the risks involved are very big if we don't get it right. So um, we're really focused on that. We're going to be really uh, following it very closely and working with the CFPB and other stakeholders to make sure that it's done well. Yeah. You talked about how the CBA can really help the industry progress in terms of innovation. What, what do you see are some of the, uh, the, the role that the CBA can play as well as some of the tactics that they can use to help spur on innovation in the industry? I think one of the most important things that CBA does for our members is the connection that we create. 
you know, we, we provide content. So we've got webinars from our partners. Um, we, you know, provide them data and information. But that connection that they get through the 14 committees that CBA has is an opportunity for them to hear and learn and engage with other industry leaders. We've got CBA Live, which is our, our signature event yeah. that's coming up in March, uh, where you're going to hear from the, you know, some of the best and the brightest in the industry about cutting edge technology and how different banks are employing different strategies for their institutions. And so I think that that's one of the best ways that CBA can really convene the industry, harness those discussions and harness that um, that intellectual know-how and experience to hopefully enable other banks to you know continue to create and innovate uh, for themselves. That's great. Well, since it's called Banking on Innovation, I had to at least hear your perspective on uh, <laughs> why that's so important for the industry. I know CBA does it, uh, an amazing job of of creating not just purpose around the primary topics, but also the right degree of sharing. I mean, you've got a very impressive board um, of, of many of the large banks as well as mid-sized banks as well. And there are so many, so many areas that that banks should be collaborating, cooperating on to be able to move the industry forward and benefit uh, benefit customers' financial well-being. I couldn't agree more. And this this case of you know, of consumer scams and fraud and, you know, what more we can be doing as an industry. I mean, our board is incredibly engaged yeah. and you see a lot of collaboration on issues like that because really it's not a competitive issue at all. And we want to make sure that the industry is held to the highest standard, that consumers have all that they, you know, need uh, on a going forward basis. So um, I agree. Our, our board is terrific. Our members are terrific. The connection and the collaboration that happens is really, um, you know, kind of second to none here at CBA. So couldn't be more proud of that. Yeah. So, Lindsay, let me cap it off by asking you to kind of lean lean forward a bit and think about what will customers demand from their banks and the industry in the next three to five years that we're perhaps not fully prepared for right now? You know, I think that there is such uh, an anticipation of what that is going to be. And you see different banks taking different strategies to try and understand and pursue that, right? So you see some of the, the best and the biggest banks uh, going out and purchasing fintechs that are, you know, food delivery services. You see them investing in travel, uh, different travel options and offering rewards to the, through those different travel options. There's just so much that I think that the consumer is going to come to expect from their financial services provider, in addition to the kind of overall financial wellness and their planning. And I know that, you know, my bank and I've, I've got a couple of different banks uh, that I use, you know, they are incredibly um you know, adept at understanding exactly what, you know, I'm trying to do from a financial goal perspective. And so I've, you know, they proactively reach out to me. And so we, you know, we know that you've got, you know, X account. Are you looking to build on that? And here's some, here's some thoughts that, you know, you should consider uh, as you think about your long-term goals. That's incredibly effective. It puts the power back in my hands. And I think that that's exactly what consumers are going to demand going forward is it's not a sales pitch. It is really enabling consumers to meet their overall financial goals. So that's incredibly exciting to me. And different banks are going about that in different ways. You see them testing out different strategies to do that. But then you also see, you know, banks kind of venturing out and saying, okay, what more do consumers want from us? How can we be that, you know, kind of a go-to uh, one-stop shop for other services? You know, it's very exciting to 
to just watch the degree of innovation in the industry. I think yes. I think cycle times around innovation have really compressed. And Agreed. in the interest of understanding customer needs, being able to demonstrate that you are looking out for customers, not mm -hmm. just not just selling products, but identifying, for instance, should you be in a different product because it'll save you money or be aware of these things or take action on these things, for, for instance, to avert a cash flow issue seven to 10 days from now. And I, I could see the industry, particularly the industry leaders, really leaning in on these areas that are in service of delivering a better, more personalized experience for the customer. And the recognition that by doing so will create a stronger and more loyal customer franchise. I couldn't say it better myself. I mean, we talk about high touch, high tech, and I think that that high touch will still be there from a person to person perspective, but it's also high touch in terms of understanding that consumer so well that you are anticipating their needs and you're thinking about their goals and how to help them meet those goals. So it's uh, it's a really exciting time to be a bank. It's an exciting time to be on the front lines helping consumers and helping communities because we've got access to a lot of these technologies we've never had before. Well said, Lindsay. Well, let's let's end with that. I just wanted to say how much I enjoyed our discussion and how thankful I am for you joining us on this podcast. You know, while you are clearly a big advocate of the industry, I'll just share with you that you have a lot of advocates among us as well. So I wish you the best. And thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and perspective with our audience. Jody, thanks for having me again. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for joining another episode of Banking on Innovation. Make sure you subscribe to get future podcast episodes or follow us on Twitter at Personetics or on Personetics.com. <laughs>